mostly what I try to do is reach, uh, I think of it as a state of elegance and a state of excellence. Thing is, I, I don't believe in talent. I believe in commitment. How does an Air Force pilot become the creator of exceptional items? It is a willingness to try new techniques and methods to learn and develop skills. Tom Sterling's creations are absolute works of art. He layers skills on experimentation, and Tom is not afraid to jump in on something new to explore a new discipline. His passion for creation has yielded intricate knives, instruments, and coins, among other things. There's so many good moments for you to draw in this episode. Here's Tom Sterling. You're listening to The Maker's Garage from Carbide3D. Perfect. Uh, Tom, thanks for fighting through that. <laughs> <laughs> well, technology, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm getting to there. I had somebody last night, some 22-year-old, pressing my phone for me to make sure it worked properly. Great. <laughs> I guess I've hit that point. <laughs> oh, fun stuff. Well, hey, thanks for agreeing yeah. to do this. Uh, pleasure to have you here. Sure. Really fun. Pleasure to meet you, Kevin. So I, I've seen your stuff, and uh, at Carbide3D separately, somebody else came and showed me your stuff. I was like, oh yeah, I've seen Tom's things. I had clipped them off. I'd made some pictures of them just as examples of fantastic stuff that made with our machines. Uh, why do you make things that are so small? You, you get really intricate. Where does, why is that the idea? Uh, well, uh, I guess it kind of comes from, uh, my career was in the Air Force, so I moved a lot and it was, uh, helpful to have small things to move around rather than big ones. So uh, I kind of gravitated towards that, I guess. What'd you do for the Air Force? Uh, I flew F-111s for the most part. Wow. When was that? What year? Let's see, I retired in uh, 93. So it's been a bit. What's your yeah. what's your background or training in terms of making things or CNC? I, I know you do a lot of hand engraving. How did you get started in that, or what was your your training background in that? After uh, I retired from the Air Force, I I started carving a little miniature Japanese art form, and there was a small market for that, and was uh, represented by one of the major dealers that, that did that. That went along for a few years, uh, you know, mostly that's uh, hand carving things. And 9-11 came along and just killed that market. So I started looking around for other things to do. And so I started making uh, some stone knife blades and making carved little handles to go with them. So I, I found a knife dealer that would, would carry those. And so I did that for a while. And Problem is, is uh, you discover that stone blades break, have clients then that, you know, maybe aren't terribly pleased. You're always fixing something, replacing a blade or whatever. So then I moved into steel and that worked out for a while. And uh, I, I was carving in intricate handles for steel blades. And then I discovered engraving. So I messed around with that for a while. And that started going really, really well. But I started having problems finding high quality items that were fairly unique that, that you could engrave. Mm -hmm. So I started making my own. And lo and behold, one day I see this ad for this nomad thing. And, you know, it's just sort of history, I guess, because uh, the price was right. It 
came with, you know, software. I didn't have to buy anything else. So it just kind of worked out that way. So you started from zero experience. Uh, um, well, I've, always, I've always made things and I'm pretty good with my hands, but yeah, yeah CNC, uh, uh, I was a computer programmer at one point. So the computer side of it is, is not new to me, but uh, CNC was definitely starting from zero. And I have a small collection of, you know, broken mills and things <laughs> sort of yes. show that came along. I'm sure we all have those. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I think Winston wants to take his and cast them in acrylic eventually. So there's just a whole bunch of broken end mills in a block of acrylic, which is interesting as an idea. That's a good idea. I like that. Where does your artistic side come from and how did you develop that? Because the, the patterns that you make and the, the levels of some of the things you do are, are amazing. Just, has that something that has always expressed itself? It doesn't seem like something that would go along with flying aircraft, but not necessarily. All of us don't match up in the two things we're good at or three things we're good at. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I've always been fairly good at drawing. That, that was something I developed early on. And uh, actually, it, it, it does go along really well with uh, flying Air Force kinds of missions, because if you remember a, a book from, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago now, everything I needed to know in life, I learned in kindergarten. Oh, yeah. Robert uh, something. I yep. What's his, I yeah. his last name? I read it. Well, it, it, it turns out that's kind of true when it comes to uh, combat missions, because you know, you're, you're always uh, drawing on charts and trying to, you have to think in three dimensions, you know, and you start, you know, playing the thing where you're shooting your watch, you know, that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, art actually served me quite well. <laughs> so Interesting. Okay. I see here the F-111 is called the aardvark. I did not know that. Why is it the aardvark? Because you would define an aardvark as an earth-loving night pig. <laughs> and that was the the F-111's mission is uh, mostly terrain following radar at night and in bad weather so you're always flying near the ground some of us called it uh, McNamara's switchblade Edsel it's uh had had swing wings that was, yeah. it was one of the first to do that it, the, the Air Force never really named the airplane you know Ardvar just kind of grew on it what got you into flying aircraft? Why did you want to be a pilot? Not real sure. That just kind of happened after college because uh, I was kind of tired of school and found out, you know, oh, gee, I could actually go fly for the Air Force. And so, you know, I, I went and did that. And turns out uh, that pretty much what you do when, you, when you're an Air Force flyer is you do a lot of studying and a lot of school. So... <laughs> So that didn't uh, work out for you. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that part of it kind of wasn't exactly what I had had in mind, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Oh, that's really funny. I love that. I love that. Why do you make things? Why do you think that's something you enjoy doing? I've always made things. I don't know why. If I'm not messing with something or sketching, or I mean, even you know, sitting in front of the TV, I'm scrolling through looking looking at pictures and things looking for ideas for my next project so it's it's what i do i i have no you know honest answer about it other than that's it 
So where do your ideas originate then? I, I kind of take things, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do several things in a row that, that are sort of the, the same kind of theme. Uh, right now I'm kind of in, in a steampunk mode. So that'll go along for a while and then I'll, I'll get tired of that and hunt for something else. And I have no idea what that will be, but eventually it'll come to me. And like I say, you know, I'll be watching a movie that doesn't take an awful lot of neurons to, to follow. Then I'm sitting there with an iPad scrolling through pictures, you know, going, oh, that's interesting. Look at that. That's cool. There's mm-hmm. a great idea. I keep a spreadsheet. I write down my ideas because uh, as it turns out, if I don't write them down, then, you know, maybe the next day or next week, I'll re- think back and remember that I had this great idea but I don't know what it was. So I write them down. I know exactly how you feel. I also keep a running list. Do you go back to your list sometimes and have no idea what it is you wrote down, what you meant? Well, that does indeed occur. Uh, Most of the time, though, I I can look at it and go, oh, I remember what that was. Yeah. On earth, I think that was a good idea, but uh, (laughs) it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, your your hobo nickels and like the Celtic heron dollar, uh, really interesting. And and there you're taking uh, a specific item that has some value before you go ahead and use it. How much testing do you do before you go ahead and put it on, say, the dollar? Well, when I first started engraving, a lot of things I would I would engrave twice. So I'd, I'd engrave a practice one and then come back and and do the real thing. You know, when I wasn't quite as nervous and was sure that I could probably pull it off. These days, the the engraving part comes easy. It's the, you know, the creative side that's constantly difficult. Coming up with ideas and and fleshing them out into something that you can actually execute. I'm not so much testing anymore, although some things I I will make a prototype, uh, especially with with CNC, because, uh, you know, maybe I've I've got, got it modeled in Fusion 360, and I think it will work out, but, you know, not always do I come up with a brilliant idea and a, and a successful design right out of the box. So sometimes there's a little bit of back and forth. Yeah, what software do you use across your design process and why did you choose that particular software? Uh, I started out with uh, Carbide Create and I still use Carbide Create for an awful lot of things. Uh, did you see the, the T-Rex hobo dollar thing? I did. Yeah, that was that was actually Carbide Create that I did that one in. Oh, very because, nice. Because uh, 2.5D was a, a really good stepping off point. It removes all of the background and, and establishes the shapes of the, the bones. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, went in with hand engraving techniques and shaped them in the round. So it was actually Carbide Create that did that one. It was just, you know, a series of vector tracings around actual t-rex bones that worked out really well so uh, a lot of times i use carbide create for making fixtures because it's easy it's quick as as long as you're you're looking for 2.5d there's really nothing better uh if uh, you want to take a lot of things that i do i'll take existing uh 3d models chop them into pieces and then pose them and for that, uh, Fusion 360 is what I use. Mainly, because it's it's you know extremely capable, got a long learning curve, but it's also free to people like me. So that's really excellent. 
and I, and I saw that you're using some sketch software as well. Yep, I used to use Photoshop, but uh, Adobe went to their subscription model. And so now I use the Affinity Suite, uh, mostly Affinity Photo. It turns out that, you know, not only can you sketch with that, but uh, most of what you, you really need for vector work is uh, in Affinity Photo to start with. So that works great. Occasionally Affinity Designer that's what I use for most of my sketching, uh, except on the iPad, there's a program called Procreate. It's a really good sketching program. So a lot of times I'll uh, import maybe a, a, a picture of, of an STL and, you know, pose it, size it, and then sketch the additional things that I need and take that over and, and uh, put it in, say, Affinity Photo to actually add vectors that I can then import into either Carbide Create or uh, Fusion 360. Yeah, I love the multi-layer work and the cracks out into the the outer part of the coin that you left on the the T-Rex uh, hobo nickel. That's yeah. really interesting to me when you have the different layers and the different artistic aspects that overlap with the coin that already exists. I think that's exceptional. How do CNC and hand engraving go together? What are the benefits of using both? I can save maybe 20 to 30% of the time on a a hand engraving. It's going to have a a whole lot of background removal. Uh, CNC works really, really well for that. A lot of the the things that I've been making, you know, you've seen the the solid state fidget toys. It's really easy to flesh out the bones on those, get started before I add in the really extreme detail with the hand engraving. Uh, You know, it's... Really, CNC is, is sort of an intermediate step for me in, in either getting something that exists ready to go for to be hand engraved or to actually make the thing itself. Yeah, I've seen those pocket fetish items, and I wondered, what, what is a pocket fetish item? People might be familiar with fidget spinners, but it's not right. moving in any way. What would somebody do with one of these items? Well, that's why it's a solid state. Yeah. Toy. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I have uh, to make it move, um, right? <laughs> Spin it around. Yeah. Well, you know, when, when I was growing up, there were these little, uh, little smooth things that you could carry in your pocket and you just, you know, you rubbed on it. That was, you know, the old style version of a fidget toy. Just kind of went with that. Who buys your stuff? Uh, I kind of wish I knew. I, I sell mostly through a, a couple custom knife dealers, and I, I, I seldom end up finding out who actually bought the things. Those that generally do are mostly knife collectors and people that are big into everyday carry. You've seen the EDC theme genre. I don't know what you call it. It's those folks. Where can people find you if they're looking for you in particular? There's uh, Tom Sterling Hand Engraving on Instagram. And Facebook, Arizona Custom Knives, and bladegallery.com. And then, of course, there's my own website, sterlingsculptures.com. Do you do commissions, or is it strictly your own creations for people to pick out? Mostly, I I do my own work. Commissions, I I occasionally, you know, have have a little moment of weakness, and I'll accept the commission. Pretty much every time I do, it's just, uh, why did I do that? You know, my wife says that uh, the reason that I do what I do is I was able to avoid getting a real job. And so <laughs> when you when you take on a commission, you've taken on a real job, you know, because now there are expectations and deadlines, and, you know, 
I tend to do what I want to do and everybody's happier for it, I think. Yeah, when you were mentioning that you you have some problems with the creative process now, getting to something maybe that you'd like that you wanna you wanna put wherever you you know feel confident you're gonna put it. Is that because of your own experience and is that an internal thing where your expectations are rising based on your past work? Or why why do you think that's happening to you internally when you're trying to create something new? Mostly what I try to do is reach, uh, I think of it as a state of elegance and a state of excellence. And so getting, you know, a raw design, an idea into something where I think I can pull that off to my personal standards is, uh, it's, it's a long process. It can be I, you know, maybe spend weeks thinking about something before I actually even put pencil to paper. That's the hard part of this. You know, everything else, the learning how to operate a CNC, learning how to engrave, learning how to draw, you know, those are skills. If you're willing to put in the time and the commitment, you know, anybody can really do that. It's the creative aspects. You know, those, those are the things that they're hard to teach something where it takes a lot of practice and a lot of thought to to develop those skills so that's the hard part at least for me you do this full-time pretty much when i'm not fishing you know doing something like that yeah okay all right so fishing's the other thing you ever make any lures i know that there's a fairly wide variety of people that make fishing lures as custom items i've seen that and i've you know i've kind of played around with that the, that thought in my head so yeah that's uh, that's the potential but uh, also you know things like uh, fly fishing reels a lot of a lot of people like to have those engraved you know maybe a fly tying vise uh, you know those sorts of things uh, they're all ideas that I kick around you never know what I'm going to end up doing I'd hate to do an intricate spoon and then have some dead log on the bottom of the lake take it away from me <laughs> I spent a ton of time on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that's why most of the stuff that I do is, uh, you know, I think of them as, as safe queens. Uh, <laughs> I like that, like garage queen cars, yeah. That's yeah, excellent. exactly, you know, because you, you take it out of the garage or you take it out of the safe and, you know, it's likely to get lost, it's likely to get dinged up. Uh, since uh, most of my work's pretty expensive, that's how I, I think most people treat it, you know. Now, how do you go about pricing things? This is something I know a lot of uh, folks struggle with. Oh, yeah, well, so do I. My basic formula is I, I charge, start out with $50 an hour for actual hands-on. So if I'm sawing up metal or doing a, a, the engraving part, whatever, that's where I start. I don't, I don't end up charging for design. I don't end up charging for the thought uh, that goes into it. Because if I did that, well, Queen of England probably couldn't afford my work. So <laughs> it's, uh, I, I start with $50 an hour and go up or down, depending on how, you know, when I look at it, I go, okay, that it meets my expectations, or maybe it's a little bit short, so it ought to be a little bit less. So it's kind of a guess. Yeah, it's interesting to me that you also make knives. I had a couple of guys on recently that either one is still in the knife area. Jacob mm-hmm. Lundquist is still there. Adam Brackney has expanded beyond into the EDC space that, that you're in and you've gone to as well. 
it's interesting that a lot of you guys that I find doing other things started out doing knives. Why yeah. is, are knives such a aggregator for creative people? Not real sure. Something, uh, well, as long as I can remember, I've had a knife in my pocket. So that was just kind of a natural direction to go. And, you know, at the point where I was just kind of casting around, not sure what I was going to do. Well, all right, knives just sort of fell into place, and went from there. I don't know. It's uh, probably, you know, cars are too big to engrave, really. <laughs> so <laughs> something small that, that people are willing to pay a fair amount of money for, uh, that would be a knife. Interesting. How do you feel about people with fiber lasers these days? Love to have one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I bought one of the little Otur uh, really inexpensive ones and been playing with that just to see what laser can do. So one of the things that kind of goes along with a lot of my work is I'll make boxes or like little leather pouches. And so I've been using that to cut out the, the basic stuff for the leather pouches. That, uh, that kind of takes a, a bit of the work out of it. So yeah, love to have a good laser. Yeah, you're not a guy who, who says, oh, hand carving, you have to do everything hand carving. You seem like a guy who's going to oh, incorporate whatever no, method you can. No, no, my background's Air Force, so if it's expensive, I like it. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, that's great. What, what haven't we talked about that you would want people to know about you or about your process, uh, about the things you make? Basically, I, I, I guess the thing that, you know, I would recommend people uh, learn to do that, you know, as I've, I've been around watching uh, the CNC world is learn to draw. If you can draw, then you can at least flesh out your ideas, uh, tweak a few things. You know, you, you start learning what looks good, what doesn't, and Im improve the basic design. Using a CNC, programming a CNC, these are all just skills. If you can start out with a, a good design, then pretty much everything else kind of is going to work out for you. So learn to draw. You think people can develop that skill, drawing? Absolutely. You don't have to become a painter. You need to be able to sketch a shape. Okay. Uh, you know, because you, you're, you're not worrying about shading. You're not worrying about color and contrast. So drawing is well within pretty much anybody's skill. Thing is, I, I don't believe in talent. I believe in commitment. If you want to learn to draw, you can learn to draw. And there are plenty of people around that will teach you how to do that. Give it a shot. What have you got to lose, really? Love it. Those are great, great parting words. Thanks, Tom. All righty. Take care, Kevin. You've been listening to The Maker's Garage from Carbide 3D. Be sure and check out our library of previous episodes featuring guests from across the creative universe.